0: What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron, go to the Pete Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free, right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. I saw rumblings of this last night, rumors flying around the Twitter machine that Alec Murdoch would be testifying today in his own defense in the double murder trial where his uh, wife and youngest son, adult son, Paul, uh, were murdered back in uh, June of 2021. And the trial's been going on. We've been covering it in the last hour of the program uh, since the trial has been going on, generally, unless there hasn't been any real big developments. But like this trial, it's been dubbed the trial of the century, South Carolina's trial of the century. Uh, it's now getting national attention at a level uh, that we haven't seen, really. Um, it has gotten some coverage at the national level for, like, the you know Fox News and CNN and such. But whenever a, def- a defendant, especially in a murder trial like this, takes the stand in their own defense, it automatically becomes more newsworthy. Um, but this story... Uh, It's it's got a lot of onions, a lot of a lot of onions, got a lot of layers. It's like an onion. Right. And so you keep peeling away. And there are all these different aspects to the story. And it's been unfolding for years. But it culminated in the the double murder uh, of Maggie Murdoch and Paul Murdoch, June 7th, 2021. And so uh, early this morning, uh, well, not early, but 930 earlier in the morning, the defense said that they intended to call Alec Murdoch. Uh, confirming the rumors that were out there last night Um, the defense attorneys though uh they, when bringing this to the court's attention, this was outside the presence of the jury. Uh, they say uh, Alec intends to testify. They tried to get the financial crimes that he is charged with, which have been admitted into this trial. But he is charged. He's got like ninety-nine other charges against him uh, for all of the financial crimes that he is uh, allegedly has allegedly committed to feed a drug addiction. That was uh, what he said was a fifty-thousand-dollar a week opioid addiction for the better part of two decades. And so those financial crimes were allowed to come in, and what they were arguing to the judge was, first off, that was the bad decision uh, that the judge made, but also uh, they don't want to have the state asking him about those questions, because if the state asks him those questions, he could further incriminate himself in the trial uh, for the financial crimes that he has not yet had. And what they were, uh, what Dick Harputlian, one of the defense attorneys was arguing is that the prosecution is just going to go into every single detail about all the financial crimes like they've been doing all these weeks. And in doing so, it's just going to drag this out even longer. And it creates a bias for the jury. The judge was like, look, I'm not going to rule on all of this stuff all at once. We're going to do it as we go. If they start trying to bring something in that I think is going to clearly bias the jury, then Uh, We'll take it up, and I'll uh, make a decision at that point. But I'm not going to give... Alec Murdoch essentially blanket amnesty for all of the financial crimes as he's testifying about whether or not he uh, murdered his wife and son. Now, a couple different things could be going on here. Maybe he thinks he can explain everything. Maybe that's because he's innocent, or maybe it's because he's a sociopath, or he's got a big ego, and he's a lawyer, and he's able to, you know, he thinks he can work this system. Um, maybe he knows that he's going down for the financial stuff, and so he doesn't care, so he just wants to clear his name on the murders. He just wants everyone to know, yes, I did all these other things. I had an opioid addiction. Uh, yes, I was a liar. Uh, but I I did not kill my wife and child. And I'm, I'm willing to risk this in order to clear my name. Maybe that's the case. Um, part of the problem, though, is that the jury knows he's a liar. And so when the jury knows you're a liar... Uh, they're not really going to trust your testimony, unless, of course, you can convince them. And maybe Alec thinks he can. Um, So here's how, um, well, let's see here. I got, well, this is like six minutes. All right. So let me not go into the, uh, I'll play the audio after the, uh, after the break, because uh, I don't want to start it and then have to stop it again, because he took the stand and right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, they ask him, you know, did you murder your kid? Did you murder your wife? Uh, and this is where, and then he immediately addresses, uh, the lies. And so we'll, we'll hear that. Um, there was this other part of, um, the testimony that came later on. I didn't pull this audio because it's, it's happening right now, actually. Um, but he talks about, uh, him being on the kennel video. He talks about him being on the video that Paul shot, uh, where they were driving around the property and he was standing next to the tree and he was wearing that set of clothes. He explained when he took the shower. Uh, he explained how they ate dinner. He said, uh, that, you know, he, when he went to his mom's house later in that evening when apparently the murders occurred, right at the, like, almost the same time when the murders occurred, um, that when he went to his mom's house, uh, he, Dropped his phone in between his seat and his console, and that's why his car was sitting in the back of the house for a minute. He wasn't disposing of the uh, of the murder weapons. He wasn't disposing of his uh, bloody clothing. It wasn't anything like that. He just drove around the back like he always does. He called to let because he knocked on the front door. Nobody answered, so he uh, went to the back door. They or that's when he called and they let him in. And uh, he sat with his mom because she was agitated that day because uh, her husband. And she has Alzheimer's, but her husband, Alec's father, had gone to the hospital. And Alec was saying, look, she's pretty far gone. She has Alzheimer's, but she knew when he wasn't there. And he was having a lot of health issues. We had to take him to the hospital. So she was agitated, and uh, the the uh, the caregiver asked him to come by and talk with her to try to help calm her down. So he addresses that, um, and he addresses... Uh, when he came back, he went into the house, uh, he, lights were on, he didn't see anybody in the house, and that's when he got in the Suburban and he drove down to the kennels, and that's when he saw the bodies, and he breaks down crying, he keeps saying, so, so bad, so, so bad, which is what he was saying the night of the murders as well, which... I don't know, people keep hearing and people testify, they heard him say that multiple times. so i don't I don't know if that's intentional. Like if you got to look at it two ways, right? One is that he's trying to deceive or one is he's trying to tell you what actually happened. And when he goes back there in his mind, He's either, you know, reliving it and he goes back to this mantra of so so bad, or he's doing it to deceive in order to kind of convince the jury that this is what he was always saying. And I never said I did them so bad. I was saying they did them so bad. They did him so bad. They, they, they. I still think they're focusing too much on the they versus I I but that's just me, who knows what the jury's gonna think about this. So uh Alex Murdoch takes the stand uh, today in a in a like a rare move but in a trial that has already had all of these twists and turns and uh all of this intrigue he is uh he's accused of murdering his wife and son and so he gets up on the stand this morning and uh well here's how it went on
1: june 7th 2021 did you take this gun or any gun like it and shoot your son paul in the chest in the feed room at your property off moselle road
2: no i did not
1: mr murder did you take this gun or any gun like it and blow your son's brains out on june 7th or any day or any time no i did not mr murder did you take a 300 blackout such as this and fired into your wife Maggie's leg torso or any part of her body? No, I did not. Did you shoot a 300 blackout into her head causing her death?
2: Mr. Griffin, I didn't shoot my wife or my son anytime ever.
1: Mr. Murdoch, is that you on the kennel video at 8.44 p.m. on June 7th, the night Maggie and Paul were murdered? It is. Were you, in fact, at the kennels at 8.44 p.m. on the night Maggie and Paul were murdered? I was. Did you lie to Sled Agent Owen and Deputy Laura Rutland on the night of June 7th and told them that you stayed at the house after dinner?
2: I did lie to them.
1: Did you lie to agent owen and agent croft on the follow-up interview on june 10th that the last time you saw maggie and paul was at dinner
2: i did lie to them
1: and in the interview of august 11th did you tell agent owen and agent Croft? did you lie to them by telling them that you were not down at the kennels on that night yes Alec, why did you lie to Agent Owen, Agent Croft, and Deputy Rutland about the last time you saw Maggie and Paul?
2: As my addiction evolved over time, I would get in these situations or circumstances where I would get paranoid thinking. Uh, And it it could be anything that, that triggered it. It might be a look somebody gave me. It might be a reaction somebody had to something I did. Um, it might be a policeman following me in, in a car. Um, that night, June 7th, after finding Mags and Paul, oh, Paul. don't talk to anybody without Danny with you. So all my partners were just repeatedly telling me that. I had a deputy sheriff taking gunshot test from my hands. I'm sitting in a police car with David Owen asking me about my relationship with my wife and my son. And all those things coupled together after finding them, coupled with my distrust for Sled, caused me to have paranoid thoughts. Normally, when these paranoid thoughts would hit me, I could take a deep breath real quick, just think about it, reason my way through it, and just get past it really quickly. On June the 7th, I wasn't thinking clearly. I don't think I was capable of reason. And I lied about being down there. And I'm so sorry that I did. I'm sorry to my son, Buster. I'm sorry to Grandma and Papa T. I'm sorry to both of our families. Most of all, I'm sorry to Mags and Paul. I would never intentionally do anything to hurt either one of them. Ever. Ever.
1: Did, did you continue lying after that night, did you not?
2: Well once I lied, I continued to lie, yes sir. Why? You know, oh, what a tangled web we weave. But once I told a lie,
0: I mean, I told my family, I, I had to keep learning. All right. So there you go. That's the beginning. It was right out of the gate. That was the beginning of the testimony today. First off, he what he does, uh, All he, he basically constructs this uh, explanation for essentially not just this lie, That he told that night that he wasn't down at the kennels just moments before their murders. Um, But he said he's constructed this explanation for any lie, basically, which is what the addiction, right? Opioid addiction and this fed paranoia. And so any lie that the prosecution is going to try to catch him in, he's going to say it was because of the paranoia uh, induced uh, from the opioids. Or the opioid-induced uh, paranoia. He also throws out there the distrust for Sled and him being a lawyer, him being a an assistant solicitor, which is the prosecutor down there, right? That may actually carry some weight with some of the or one of the jurors to say, like, if anybody would know that Sled might not be awesome, it would be somebody in the legal field that worked as a as a prosecutor to some degree. He also lays out this argument there where he says that he wasn't thinking clearly and he doesn't think he was capable of reason, either from the drugs but also from the the shock and horror of the crime scene, which is essentially an argument against... Uh, all of the interviews that sled uh, that sled did at the beginning and how their investigators drew conclusions out of that original interview and things he said on the 911 call in other words it's being used to buttress some of those assertions that he wasn't thinking clearly he wasn't capable of reason like bombshell another one in the Alec Murdoch uh, murder trial in South Carolina where he took the stand today we played uh the initial uh questions that uh he was asked right out of the gate i did not kill my wife and son he says uh yes i was on that kennel video and i was not thinking clearly that night i was paranoid I'm a, i was on a lot of drugs and uh i was uh, worried that they were you know they just swabbed me for the gunshot residue and so i was paranoid so i lied about being at the kennels and then you know once you tell the lie you got to keep telling the lie which i'm not so sure about Now, maybe some, you know, maybe folks will say, well, you know, he didn't want to get caught in a lie or something, and so he just has to keep telling that lie, which is what he's hoping they believe. I'm not so sure. I think you could have, I think you could have said after the fact, especially after you talked with your lawyers, I think you probably could have said, uh, oh, no, I was down at the kennels. My mistake, I forgot. I think he could have done that, especially if he was talking to his lawyers, but it sounds like he may have even lied to his lawyers about that at some point. I don't think he lied to his defense attorneys while they were building his defense for this trial, but I think right out of the gate he may have said I wasn't at the Kennels because he didn't know that the video existed at the time. Um Suzanne writes in to Pete at the PeteCallaner Show dot com that uh she says uh, regarding the testimony about, you know, dialing and being stressed because when he first picked up the phone, he dialed 9111. He dialed an extra 1. He had to redial. And Suzanne says from experience when stressed wrong phone calls are made. And I think that goes to his favor. I do. I think that that speaks uh to his innocence to some degree unless like you're so calculated that you're going to pretend to dial the extra 1. You're going to do that just to throw everybody off, right? Um Again, like, the picture that emerges here becomes one of someone who is, uh, you know, engaged in, like, some severe sociopathy or, or psychopathy. I don't know, like, the, the, the mindset to do what you do and then to have all of this stuff constructed to make it look a certain way. I think at some point it gets to be too much to ask, a, to ask people to accept on the jury. But you never know with a jury. (laughs) You just don't ever know. Uh, All right, so the two other points here. Um, He talks about how uh, he and his uh, son, Paul... Oh, hang on. Before I get to this next clip. He keeps calling his son Paul Paul. Now, admittedly, I have not watched every single minute of the trial. I have watched probably about 75 to 80% of it, though. I have never... Heard anybody refer to Paul Murdoch as Paul Paul, even when they were going through some of the, the nicknames they had for people. I don't recall this name being used, but this is the name that Alec keeps calling his son, Paul Paul. He never, he like never calls him Paul on the stand. I don't know if that's intentional. I don't know if it was just an oversight through the, uh, the entire proceeding that nobody called him Paul Paul or nobody referenced the fact that this was what his dad called him. I don't know maybe again if he's a sociopath psychopath maybe he's saying it now because he's trying to diso- uh, to dissociate the memory from the person right maybe he's trying to to keep that as like some other person i'm going to call him paul paul because that's how i choose to remember him not as paul the one i murdered right whatever i don't or maybe he's trying to ingratiate himself with the jury trying to get some points like he this was my nickname for my son i don't know But apparently everybody in that family had a nickname. So, all right, uh, he says uh, during the day before the murders, he and his son Paul are driving uh, around the property, tending to the property, and he starts talking about how much Paul loved the Moselle Road property that they all call Moselle.
1: You and Paul having a good time at that point. You could
2: not be around Paul Paul. You could not be around him and not have a good time.
1: Were you? Were you close to Paul?
2: You couldn't be any closer than Paul, Paul, and I, and Buster, and I were in awe. He's just wonderful, wonderful.
1: And it's one of the things you enjoyed doing together with just riding the property i
2: love doing anything with Paul. Paul, it was an absolute delight but yeah one of the things i mean paul's passion i mean paul was passionate about a lot of things but that property was really a passion of his i mean he loved to do he loved to work it he loved to work with fields he loved to work with food plots he loved to hunt i mean he He'd work on the roads. I mean he would he would work on all of it. I mean he would work on the structure I and mean, he would he he worked on the whole property.
0: All right, and then he details like more stuff that he did. I pulled that sound mic because uh, two things. Number one, people have been talking about how they don't see Alec Murdoch crying real tears or any tears or that sort of thing. And I I'm not sure what they're seeing, but like in this clip you can clearly see tears streaming down his face. That's number one. So, And again, I don't know. Maybe he's a sociopath. He's able to conjure those up, uh, which would be remarkable for a sociopath. But I don't know. Maybe he's a a master manipulator. Or he's innocent, and he's talking about his son, and he loved his son, and it was terrible seeing his son like that, and that's why he's actually crying. Um, The other thing, though, that at this moment they've been showing like split screens on some of the feeds... And you can see the other son, Buster, the oldest son, Buster, who is in the courtroom. And he does not have any expression. And that, to me, is actually uh, more noteworthy, let me just say. I don't know what it means. I'm just saying he's sitting there watching his dad weeping on the stand and describing the final moments with his son, with Buster's brother, and his mother and he's not he's not showing any signs of empathy or or sadness for himself even and i just again i don't know this guy but i saw his testimony and he was very um expressionless very deadpan in his delivery he never got really emotional on the stand people were commenting about that uh, look sometimes people get medicated for these types of things i'm i'm not saying that to uh, as an insult, sometimes people get so, uh, you know, uh, anxiety ridden and, uh, and depressed and nervous that they, they will go get a prescription so they can be more of an even keel and maybe that deadens some of those emotions. I don't know. I'm just noting it that dad's up there crying, talking about mom and your brother being murdered and nothing from Buster. Nothing. All right. Next is the shower. The shower. Why, uh, uh, why was he wearing different clothes? When did he take a shower? He gets asked about this too. We'll hear his answer. Uh, okay, so Alec Murdoch accused of murdering his wife and youngest adult son, Paul and Maggie is her name was her name, uh, accused of murdering them uh, in order to hide all of the financial crimes that he had committed, stealing from friends and clients in uh, his law firm in order to feed what he said was a fifty thousand dollar a week opioid addiction and he had been addicted for like 20 years so he took the stand today um, in his own defense and he has addressed various aspects of the inconsistencies and again like i've said this from the beginning uh if you you have to give the jurors some sort of explanation to kind of plug the holes in so you get left with uh explanations for all of these circumstantial pieces of evidence because if you don't plug the holes then you give people like this whole string of data points that say well they haven't given us any alternative explanation and they all point to his guilt so it's reasonable to assume that he's guilty but if the defense can address these things um not all of them but enough of them right then it's more likely than that he's going to be able to uh, be acquitted. So what about the shower? And what about the change of clothes? He has asked about this.
2: I believe that I was at the shop when, when she came through.
0: Maggie comes home.
2: Which would not be unusual for her having been away. Uh, if Blanca had gotten the mail or somebody had gotten the mail, maybe not. But if somebody had not gotten the mail, it would be perfectly normal for her to pull through there. And I believe she did pull through there that day. and And Paul and I were at the shop I believe
1: and then what what did you do after Maggie arrived
2: Maggie went to the house and I know that Um, but shortly after however I learned that Maggie got home I went to the house when when Maggie got home and I left Paul at the shop
1: so um, and what did you do when you got to the house
2: I saw Mags talked to Mags um, and I took a shower
1: Um, the the Clothes that we saw in that Snapchat video was—is uh, was that the clothes you had on uh, at work that day? Yes. That's the blue that was shirt. The
2: clothes I had on at
0: work. Khaki pants.
1: And the, ju- and the jury's seen you and the and those clothes and, and what's on, on June seventh. How tall were you and how much did you weigh? Um, on June seventh, well, I'm, I'm six
2: a little. I'm a hair over six four. Right at six four. On June seventh, I was about. Two hundred and sixty-five pounds. Two sixty-four.
1: Two sixty-five. And and this was in June, uh, June seventh. Yes, sir. You know, when you're outside riding around and doing, do you
2: get hot and sweaty? Absolutely. I mean, Paul and I had done some things. We 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 unloaded the bulldozer, cleaned the bulldozer. We fooled around. Yeah. I mean, I sweated. You know, I was heavy and. Taking prescription pills also makes you sweat worse, or at least taking oxycodone makes you sweat more than you normally do.
1: So was it unusual for you to take a shower when you got back to the house? Not at all. And that, when you, after you took a shower, what did you change into?
2: I changed into the clothes that you've seen in this trial
0: shorts and the shirt all right so there's plugging a hole right he's plugging the hole of when did you change your clothing and he says when maggie got home she drove to the house right he saw her arrive or however he says he came to know that he wasn't really clear and so then he goes up to the house says hey how are you uh and then he's like i'm gonna jump in the shower takes a shower he comes out and paul is up now at the house he says and they uh, Paul finishes eating and they would apparently just eat in the living room watching the TV and he said if we're at the house the TV is always on that checks another box I- in other words um well i say it checks a box because they brought on the acoustic expert to say that you could be in the house with the TV on and somebody could shoot those weapons the you know 1800 yards or feet whatever it was away way away from the house where the murders occurred and you could you would not hear it And so so he's checking the box. TV is on. TV is always on. That's how I know it was on that day. It's because it's always on. We ate dinner in the living room watching the television. Paul finished before us, and he went down there. And then uh, I I just sat around, uh, and I didn't want to go down there. Maggie was like, I'm going to go down and see the dogs. And he's like, I don't want to go. But then he sat around for a couple minutes and decided, as he said, Whenever he, whenever she would ask him to do something and he didn't want to do it, he would eventually go do it. And so he goes down to the kennels, he catches the dogs and gets them back in, and then he goes back up, sits down on the couch for a little bit longer, maybe dozed off, doesn't really remember, gets in his car, says, hey, I'm going to see mom, and takes off. That's his story as he told it today. All right, we'll cover some other topics. Rest assured, programming directors. We'll cover some other topics, but Matt Harris will try to join us at 2 o'clock. Tell us what we missed while I've been doing the show.